Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Danbury's only all-hockey radio show. I know that some in our audience don't know the finer points of hockey. You want me to dummy you again? Hattrick's baby! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick City with this week's episode airing on December 15th. I'm your host, DJ Pancake, joined by my lovely co-host, DJ Uncle Matt. Lovely. We got a few things to catch up on. Um, a lot of huge events happening surrounding Danbury and um, a great weekend of games. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to start things off hot with probably the biggest topic that has happened um our very own Daniel Amesbury fought in rough and rowdy um he fought in that on Friday December 9th and he fought against Zach Abel it was the last he was the last fight in the undercard um it was a crazy sight to see um we had it playing in the bar upstairs in the actress lounge and you know, that, that fight started, and a lot of us were saying, this fight ain't gonna last. It's really not. He's got it under control. What does he do? He gets out there, gets right in, 10 seconds, TKO. Right there. Matt, what are your thoughts on that fight? My thoughts were that, uh, you know, Daniel Amesbury is gonna be a star on this kind of uh, pro-am fight sports circuit that, uh, Ice Wars really leads the whole way in, but the, you know, there's also this bar stool, uh, rough and rowdy thing. And what I can tell you is, is that uh, Amesbury is a very dangerous guy. Uh, I, I, I see that there's a somebody that he approached after later on in the night. And I'm, I'd like to see this guy against Amesbury because I can tell you the kid's motivated and uh, he's ready to handle his business. Uh, you know. Uh, whenever he has to so I, I can tell you that I think that this guy uh, Abel was just uh, just way out way outclassed and, and just not ready for what Danny was going to bring into the ring and, and I can tell you that uh, you know I, I, we've only uh, interacted a few times he's been on the show here and he's, he's, he's helped us out with the mustache plastic but I, I'm sure this kid Amesbury is looking forward to the next challenge whoever's out there with this rough and rowdy stuff and who, who, you know, whoever wants to bring to the table, so um, that's 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 a great thing, you know. Yeah, and just to add to it as well, I mean, you could tell just with that that pre-fight video, the the hype up from either side, you could tell Abel knew he was gonna get rocked. I just don't think he had a chance. I mean, no, and he knew it too. So, but I guess we're gonna give him the smallest kudos for at least showing up, and you know. Be in the punching bag for that one. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, even though uh, I don't think I don't think Danny Amesbury will be appearing uh, at the next Ice Wars in March. Again, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure he might be. Uh, I think our season will still be going on at that point. Yeah, but it's going to be in Wyoming. It just yep. got announced uh, just a couple you know, earlier this week. It's going to be great to see what AJ Galante is going to bring out there with this new fight sport of Ice Wars. I think everybody in Danbury should tune in. It's a great event and I think that uh, hopefully um, just based on uh, you know some conversations uh, 
Uh, hopefully, Dan Barry is going to see Ice Wars in, in, in the future sometime. So uh, it, everybody should keep up with it. And I think that uh, it was really exciting to see the Danny Amesbury represent not only Ice Wars, but Dan Barry at the Rough and Round. Yeah. And to add on to, you know, with that Ice Wars 3 announcement, um, chances of me going are pretty high. I think I might actually make the trek up to, to Wyoming, you know, um, was it there in Cheyenne? Can drive? Hell no. Um, no, I'll, I'll probably get your plane up there. Um, I'm still figuring it out right now. I don't know if I'm gonna go or not. Um, I might take some time off work. If anything, head up there, maybe sightsee a little bit and catch the flight. Because this is like the first one in the States. And I know I could be patient and wait for it to come to Danbury, but it's the first one in the States. And I don't know how long it's going to be before it gets to Danbury with all the laws surrounding you know, new combat sports and especially one like this. So um, I was happy to see that it's finally coming and that Wyoming is going to allow this fight to happen. So I, you know, I don't want to miss the opportunity, if anything. Yeah, great to see it happen in the stage. Cheyenne, Wyoming, March 4th, 2023, uh, Ice Wars 3. Uh, there's details out there available. At, uh, Ice Wars is available at Ice is War on Instagram. So you can find out more about uh, what AJ Galante and, and everybody involved with that is doing. But yeah, listen, I think there is a chance that at some point we could see this thing in Danbury or somewhere in Connecticut, possibly Mohegan Sun, someplace like that. But yeah. I, I think there's a chance we could see it here. And uh, I, I don't have any extra inside information other than, you know, things are being looked into and um, and the idea is that this, this could be another great event to bring to town. Of course, and then to segue um, into our next topic, um, we had a beautiful um, weekend series against the Motor City Rockers. It was the first time in their team's history coming down to Danbury, and when we got the win, we got the whole whole shebang there. We beat them seven-two on Friday, and five-two on Saturday. Um, both really, really just astounding games. Um, I can tell you, the Friday night that that escalated super fast. It was. One nothing, the end of the first. The next thing you know, it's four nothing. Then it's you know almost like five nothing. Unfortunately, let one in. There was a five on three PK. Um, scored twice more. They scored once and get that final seven two. Um, coach got an ejection, so you know that was great. It was great. Um, probably one of the greatest exits I've seen. Takes off the jacket, just whips it right into the ice and. Heads right up to He's the stands. Bobby Knight of the Federal Prospects Hockey League, for sure. Exactly. Um, you know, and of course, the, the next night he was suspended for that game, but knows where they took the reins, and it was him and Steve Brown behind the bench. I think it went pretty well, obviously. I mean, you know, 5-2 game, can't complain, still got the full, you know, three points that we wanted. So, um, now we're heading into next weekend, two road games, one in Delaware on Friday and one in Watertown on Saturday. And then we also wanted to bring up something with Motor City. Um, we know that there was their backup goalie, Travis Ridgen, YouTube guy, uh, well, YouTube star, rather. We'll, we'll put it that way. Um, he was supposed to make an appearance in a way some, somewhere around here, but um, unfortunately, about a week before, he got placed on season-ending IR. And he revealed on his podcast, Slinging the Biscuit, um, that he's been dealing with hip issues for a 
few years now, and you know, he's been getting like these preventative measure shots that you know didn't work in their magic, but right now it's starting to wear off. And apparently, he was going to get this um, this surgery sometime during the season, but he just wanted to keep pushing it back to at least you know say that hey, I, I I'm in the league, I've made it here, I've made a name for myself, and um, you know before he had to go and do that, but. Um, unfortunately, before he could get his first start, which would have been against Delaware, um, it was on December 3rd, that's what he was saying, would have been the date. Um, he was saying that in his butterfly position, um, that it was like just a shooting pain, like just this horrible pain, like through his entire body and feelings. Like, you know, he was saying that he was on the brink of crying at some times, just wow. that's, that's how much pain he was in. And, you know, the team was nice enough to you know, um, put him on the IR with, so he'll still get paid for the team for the rest wow. of the season. And, you know, he's he's back in Canada now. He's going to get that surgery early January. So we wish the best of luck to him and hopefully the surgery goes well. Um, any words on him? Interesting. It would have been nice to have him come out here and be a guest on this show. He's done a lot of great social media content. So, Travis, we wish you all the best. But, yeah, you know, I was only able to make it to the Friday night game because... Uh, I was on assignment for Connecticut Magazine on Saturday night up at Quinnipiac, but I could just tell you that um, as long as the hat tricks continue to play like they have uh, with this, you know, certainly, you know, it's a commanding winning streak they've been on, and as long as the fans continue to show up, I think as well as they have recently and I can feel like it's getting a little more crowded and, and a little more consistent yeah. uh, week to week um, at the games uh, I think that this is going to be a very tough place to play for a while so just everything that we're doing is building towards uh, you know I think everything that they're doing is building towards a great season so the support has to be there on both sides so I think this weekend was great you know you're talking about maybe the number two team in the other conference uh, in the Continental Division, I guess you would say. So, yeah, you know, ho hopefully we sustain these type of performances kind of moving forward. Yeah, and to uh, touch upon that, you were at Quinnipiac um, on assignment. If you want to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I've been pretty busy with some magazine work in January. I think I said it already on the show. Um, I spent a, a, a lot of time, and so I spent a lot of time last year kind of focusing on fighting in hockey uh, then and uh, then and now. And I did a story involving uh, Billy McCreary, Ainsbury, some other Federal League people like Justin Schmidt, Joe Pace, uh, and then you know, people like Doug Smith, uh, kind of comparing different eras in hockey fighting. And that'll be out in January in the Hockey News, as well as a story in Men's Journal Magazine, which will put it more of a mainstream uh, you know, drugstore and supermarket magazine. Uh, we have a great story on backyard hockey rinks, and we, um, Dom Alessandro, who's the uh, multiple multiple time guest on this show, he's kind of the subject of it. He has a great rink here in Danbury in his backyard. So if you see Men's Journal magazine, uh, Dom Alessandro is quoted in the in the backyard hockey rink story. And then, yeah, I this past Saturday night, I got the chance to go up to Quinnipiac. So it was my first college hockey game in Connecticut. I've been uh, D3 games 
I covered Manhattanville College and kind of that conference for a while, and then I also, um, you know, attended some college hockey games, University of Maine, but I never went to a college hockey game here in Connecticut where, listen, we've got one of the best scenes in the country. If you like hockey, if you're looking to go to a hockey game on the weekend when the Hattricks aren't in town uh, or something like that, listen, we've got four hockey teams in the state in Division One college hockey. Two of them are among the top 20. Quinnipiac was number two when I saw them this past Saturday night against Union College. So one thing I want to say is is that it's a different game. It's a, it's, it's a different game. It's a very high skill game. You're looking at guys that are NHL draft picks. You're looking at guys that are the sons of NHL players. In the case of Quinnipiac, I think it's Rod Brindamore's son. Yeah, Skyler. Is, yep. Yeah, is playing with Quinnipiac. And they're, you know, we're talking about the, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about, what, you know, if not the best, the number two college hockey team yeah. uh, uh, in the country. So what I can tell you is that um, as much as I love um, hockey and checking out different venues, you know, I think we really have to appreciate the type of atmosphere and the unique atmosphere because uh, you can go to some other buildings in the state of Connecticut and you can go to the buildings in New York State in the NHL and you get the game of hockey but you don't get the intimacy you don't get the cold beer and the and the kind of uh, warm camaraderie that you get at Danbury Arena and this is not this is not a plug or anything extra it's just I'm just comparing what I experienced you know what I mean uh, Quinnipiac has a nice little single bowl rink yep. And they got plenty of parking. The parking lot was too big, actually. And uh, I think. Well, where'd you end up parking? Did you park like in the lot or in like the garage? No, in that garage yeah. on the very first floor. Yeah. So it was a bit of a trek. You yeah. know, I parked the same place. So I think that that. It, you know, listen. I don't think that there's anywhere. None of these teams have like a downtown atmosphere like we have and like we could have. You know, maybe the New York Rangers, mm. where you can go across the street to a bar and somebody cares about the outcome of the game. But like I said, uh, it was great to go up to Quinnipiac, see that fast-paced game, students really into it, great building, great lighting. I wasn't too impressed with the ice. It looked a little glassy and mm. uh, kind of wet, but um, like I said... Quinnipiac Hockey, they're uh, number two in the country in the uh, NCAA polls and the uh, uh, college hockey online polls. And they're 14-1 and I believe three. And ironically, one of their draws, or one of their ties this season comes against Long Island University, who has struggled and, and probably shouldn't have had such a good game against Quinnipiac, but that just goes to show there's a very high talent level in Division One college hockey, and I predict in the next 15 years there are going to be maybe double the amount of college hockey 
the Division One teams, I predict, maybe double in fifteen or twenty years. You're you're already seeing places that didn't have it before added. You're seeing Arizona State added. That just means that somebody else will be behind soon. You'll see yeah. UNLV or somebody go D1 college hockey, trying to make, you know, trying to bring fans and trying to make money selling tickets to hockey games. So uh, I was really impressed with, and, and I'm going to continue on this little bit of a tour, and I'll report back to you guys what I find, and down the line you'll be able to see the full report in uh, Connecticut Magazine. So it, it was great going up there to Grand Yeah, and just to add to that, um, I think I went up about a week and a half before I saw them play against um, Clarkson on a, I it was a Saturday night game. And boy, let me tell you, I am so glad I caught this game. Um, ended up being, I believe, a 6-3 win over Clarkson. I believe they're number 18, so they're not, not the best, but they're not the worst either. Um, and 18's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it was a delightful game to see, and again with the intimacy, uh, we were pretty close. It was me, and then I went with my girlfriend's cousin who attends Equinopiat. Um, so we went, we had a good time. Um, definitely, if that's something you haven't checked out yet, I would definitely recommend going to Equinopiat game. But if it's closer for you, there's UConn, there's Yale, there's Sacred Heart. Definitely check out one of those, but if my recommendation should be check UConn or Quinnipiac. So those are like the top two if you want to see a good performance, but either way. Listen, college hockey is great. It's worth checking out. Um, you know, we, we might as well note on the show right now that Sacred Heart and UConn will be opening brand new buildings on campus. Yep. Both of them will be opening up brand new hockey rinks. So we're going to have four Division One, NCAA Division One college hockey teams with on-campus buildings in the state of Connecticut this coming year, this year meaning in a couple of weeks, 2023, it'll be all up and running. So there's going to be a college hockey scene in this state like never before. But saying that, as exciting as it is, and I and I promise you, I think the hosts of this show will be checking out a few games, probably in person, and reporting back to you. But I just want to say, because people have accused us of maybe weighing this show down towards the hat tricks a little bit. Maybe people have accused us of, uh, you know. But listen, th th there's two things to mention. First of all, this team, this, this Danbury Hattrick team, is probably the one team that people agree on in this whole city. Yeah. You're going around, you're going to find Mets, Yankees, you're going to find Jets, Giants, Penguins, uh, uh, Montreal Canadiens, you're going to find... People that are fans of all these random teams, Flyers, we've got more Philadelphia Flyer fans in Danbury than anywhere in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, I got to be honest with you, they, one of the few teams that everybody agrees on is a hat trick. That's why we do it. But I also want to say that, like, listen, this is one of the best shows in town. Like I said, Griffiak's number two in the country. I had a blast going up there. It's worth Whatever they charge to get in. Because they're 22. 20 but, bucks around there. but I can tell you right now, there's nothing like coming to a hat tricks game where you can drink a beer, hang over the side of the railing. People are screaming at the players. There are kids having a good time in certain parts of the area. We've got uh, we've got old-time hockey here in Danbury, and people should know about it. So that, that's the one thing I, I also want to say, too. There's hardly any hitting, and there's no fighting in college hockey. So no. we can we can put a Division One college hockey team in every city in America as long as they're not going to fight or throw big hits. 
you're, you're looking at a certain type of fan. There's nothing wrong with that fan. It's just a fan that is interested in supporting a, a college sport. That's the, that's the difference. You know, and those are great fans. I want to give a big shout out to Bob Blakesley, aka Uncle Bob Blakesley, who's uh, biggest hockey fan, biggest college hockey fan that I know. And I, and I sat with him at Quinnipiac uh, the other night. And this guy's got tickets to the Frozen Four already. He's wow. He's got it on his phone. He's he's going to Tampa. Uh, I think it's uh, what's the name of the Lightning Arena. The, oh, the um, Amelie, Amelie Arena. Something like that. I don't even know. Yeah, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning's home venue will be down there for the Frozen Four. Listen, it's a great product. And going to Bridgeport and Hartford, also a great product. I mean, I can't say anything bad about either of those two teams. There's nothing like going to a Hattrick's game. And just being in a, a very intimate arena, this is the way hockey was played. In the original era of hockey, predating the NHL, this is how it played in the small towns of Canada, and how it should be played in the small towns of New England. So, um, just you know, it's a special thing here. Yeah, and um, then for our last thing, I know I mentioned it, you know, once on the show already, um, but I'll be doing public address announcing for the Bridgeport Islanders on the 14th, which by the time you're hearing this, will have been yesterday. I've already done it. So next week, I'll share my experiences on it. But as of right now, it's the night before. Um, a lot of a lot of nerves kind of kind of flailing. It's it's nerve wracking. Like you know, I remember this being like a month and a half out, and they they don't lie when time you know they tell you time will will come and get catch up to you eventually. Because right now I'm like, holy crap, this is this is tomorrow. Um, I, I feel ready. It's just, I, I feel there's a certain pressure to perform at a good standard, you know, being the American League. Um, you got you called know. up, man. Yeah. You've been called up to the American League. Yeah, and, you know, I want to do well because I want to continue to do it for them. So, you know, tomorrow I'm going to do the best I can. Um, hopefully put out a nice product. Hopefully, you know, any people that are out there, you know, any staff or whatever that are listening or that are at the game, and they, you know, Listen over the intercoms. Hopefully, they, they think they do well. Um, but yeah, I definitely next week I'll report to you guys on my findings and you know my experience with it and you know how it went overall. Uh, I want to ask you, Pat. Did you, you know, was was going to Bridgeport? Was that your first introduction to hockey? Um, yes, actually. Um, so back in the day, uh, let's say like late late 2000s, early 2010s, um, I have fond memories of going to Sound Tiger games. Um, I think the first one I went to was my godmother brought me with with her sister. We went, there was the three of us, we went to a game. Um, I don't remember much from that, I remember the fight. I don't know who fought, but I remember there was a fight. Just, you know, that any little kid's gonna love that. Um, and then going forward from there, um, you know, in like elementary school and middle school, um, we take field trips out there and then, you know, do like a special day for, you know, different schools in the surrounding areas. And, you know, when I went to, I believe it was, what, I went to Maloney Magnet. Wow, I couldn't even remember the name of that school. That's my, my favorite elementary school that I went to um, at the two. Um, 
So there was that, I went with them, and then when I went to Audrey Arts Magnet School for middle school, um, we went then again. We went there with them again. Um, and I enjoyed it every time. Um, obviously, I I missed the, the old Sun Tiger moniker, but you know, with this Bridgeport Islander thing, um, the first game I worked there when I was starting with my production assistant role, it was a game such as that that I would go to when I was younger. So I was like, you know, this this is you know how I got my start, how I liked it. So you know, maybe some kids gonna grow up with it being the Islanders, and that's their thing. And you know, it, it's a real full circle moment, and just that team. I feel deep down means a lot more to me than most will understand. Makes sense to me, man. You're always working so hard at Danbury Arena, and to see you kind of come up to the AHL level, you're one step from the NHL now, yeah. pal. So, congratulations, Thank Pat. You. And I hope to make it down to a game. I wish I could make it tomorrow night, but I hope to make it down to a game soon when you're working there because uh, it'd be nice to witness that in person. Of course. Um, yeah, and again, I hope tomorrow goes well so I can have as many opportunities um, to do it. And even if not, um, I'll still be down there as a production assistant, so I'll be still helping behind the scenes. But, you know, I think I'm going to do well. I'm going to put it out there to the universe. I'm going to do well. A uh, big thing about manifestation. It's a big deal for me. Um, so, yeah, I think I'll do well, and um, hopefully I'll go as well. I think that's awesome, man. Uh, listen, I think we should take it over to Billy McCreary. Oh, yeah. That's our boy. That's our boy. Um, he's going to tell us about... Because, you know, the past two weekends, we went on a little bit of a hiatus there, but we're back. Um, so he's going to take us through what happened with that weekend, what happened with this past se- uh, weekend with Motor City. And then um, we'll take it into the other interview that is there, but we're not going to jump ahead too far. Next up is Billy McCree. This is Danbury Hockey Superfan, Postal Joe Trench. You're listening to Hat Trick City Radio on WXCI 91.7 Danbury. Hat Tricks, baby! Woohoo! I think that was a one Gotcha. Ladies and gentlemen, a welcome back to Patrick City on WXCI 91.7 FM. DJ Patty Cake joined by DJ Matt as always. Today is another very special guest, the one and only 
number 88 of the Danbury Hattricks, Mike Marchesan. Mike, how are we doing today? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me. Mike, thanks for coming in. You've been on a tear since you joined the Hattricks. Uh, how does it feel, man? I'm excited. I love it here, and I, I love the guys. We got a great team out there. You know, just looking at your kind of your resume here on Elite Prospect, this is your rookie season, so could you maybe take us through, you know, maybe the last nine months of your life and what, what it's been like to get to this point? Yeah, for sure. So um, I finished my junior season up in St. George. Uh, we lost in the semifinals. Um, and after that, I took a couple months off or a month or two. I was working and training all the time. And then uh, my coach sent me uh, a flyer to the Huntsville Attic for a free agent camp. And then I went there and did well enough, got the invite to the main camp. I enjoyed it. And I was there for about like a week and a half, two weeks. With J-Mac, McDonald, those of you, guys in Roanoke, China, McDonald, yeah. yeah, and um, we got sent down, and then I uh, had a couple calls with Philly and a couple other teams in the Fed, went to Binghamton, because I thought I had the best opportunity there, and it turns out it didn't work out, and uh, Philly was nice enough to give me a call, and so I got to Danbury. You know, I'm just looking at your resume here, and it kind of looks like a lot of the, uh, acronyms and abbreviations that we've seen in the Federal Hockey League for sh shit as heck as long as I've been involved with it. But can you can you tell me what what's the greater Metro Hockey League all about? What's it what are the parameters for the players? I guess it's a junior league, but what are the what's the structure there like? So it's uh, sixteen to twenty one, so it basically gives like a, a guy another year in junior. Um, and there's a lot more like uh, Europeans that can come over there because you don't need a visa or anything, you can just play as that league. Um, it's not known to be the most strong, but after the COVID season, a lot of people didn't get their 20 year old years like myself and um, was looking for a place to play and playing down St. George. Yeah, what, what's, what was it like with that team through the season? What, what Basically, the question I want to ask you is what made you decide to go the pro route when that was done? Um, so my coaches, one of my coaches was um, Clark. He played there, Jordan Clark. He played for Elmira, the Enforcers. I okay. was talking about yeah, the, I remember the, name. the whole entire uh, Federal League, ESB, and I had no idea what those leagues were. Really? I had no, nothing I knew. And right before playoffs, he was like, talk to me about these leagues, and how I could go there and I could play and make a name for myself. And then if I wanted to maybe go to Europe and make more money at the end of the day, that I could go that route. So, like all year, we were talking about going there and what I had to do and what I had to change in my game. Like, not just be a point guy, but 200 foot player at the same time. And so, we made strides for it, too. Mike, so what I want to ask you is maybe what would have been alternate routes for you? Would you have you been able to go to play in college somewhere in the U.S. or Canada? Or maybe uh, is there, an, you, you maxed out a junior, right? So yeah. So, I was um, looking at D3, but. I never felt like I wanted to go there. Uh -huh. And then um, my 20-year-old year in Niagara Falls, um, we didn't get to play, but we were playing exhibition games. Um, I was emailing back and forth with RIT, and um, they were like, okay, yeah, we're gonna, when the season starts, we're gonna look at you and let you know what happens. And um, again, we were just playing exhibition games, so nothing got registered, and uh, it was unfortunate. So I was looking at the college route, but then I was like, might as well just try and go pro. I think I have a big enough size. I've been playing with boys the last couple of years. I think I can take it to men. And um, that's what I did. 
very good on B move as well, boys and men. Yeah. Yeah, 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 very good. Mike, tell us a little bit about since you've gotten your feet wet with Danbury, you only played a couple of games with Binghamton. What's your impressions of this league, and, and how have you been able to make an instant impact? Um, so before this season even started, I was talking with friends and family, and yeah, you get the rap of like oh, you have to fight all the time. You're a big guy, all this stuff. And yeah, for sure there is that. You want to protect your um, your teammates, but you can see that there's a lot more skill than what people are telling you. And there's skilled players. Obviously, you do have some fighters in the league you got to watch out for. That might do some stupid stuff, but you can you can just play hockey. Really, at the end of the day, there's a lot of more college guys from what I heard because of the fifth year that they got from COVID. So that made the league stronger, I guess. Good to see that there's like a lot more hockey than just fighting. Who are the guys on the team that you've connected with right away uh, as you've as you've shown up on the scene? Uh, I would say Gonzo was the first guy. I was sitting in a chair right across, and he's a really approachable guy. He was just telling me some stuff about the team. But honestly, everyone instantly when I walked into the room, everyone was. Welcoming, shaking my hand, like, oh, how is this? Oh, how's Daniel? How's this? I got to like share my story, and everyone was super nice and welcoming. It's just kind of a 180 from the last couple teams I was on. It's good to see, especially at the club. Yeah, you're definitely like the Henry Rowan Gartner of the uh, of the Danbury Hatcher. Because a while ago, Billy and I were honest. It's not the hardest last name to pronounce, but we were like, is it Marchison? Is it <laughs> and we were like, oh, we got it. It really doesn't matter, because you've been putting them in and doing what you need to do on the ice, but tell me, um, is there a particular we, we sometimes like to tease guys, so be careful about your answer. Is there a particular <laughs> NHL team that you like? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to get some heat for this. I like the Habs. Oh! oh. <laughs> My parents love the Leafs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and now Billy. <laughs> I tried to raise you right. Billy McCreary <laughs> is in the studio wearing a Toronto Maple Leaf sweater right now. So <laughs> ice time's getting cut right now. Yeah, so. <laughs> this kid's down to the third line. Yeah, think of being the Michigan Independence Hockey League soon. <laughs> but Mike, tell me, growing up, um, you, you seem to play a pretty aggressive style, and you attack the net. Who were the guys that you looked up to on the NHL level that maybe you emulated at an early age? Um, I'm not sure. I d my dad's always like Windows and Spider Man in '88. Um, so I've watched one, a couple of those clips, but I liked watching all the skill guys. I love seeing that stuff. But I know I have my big body. I could throw it around and take advantage of some people in corners and stuff like that. And big body. It's hard to move in front of the net. But some guys can't really move me. Yeah, and in the past few games, you've been just been able to find the net with little to no problem. Um, do you credit that with you know alignments that you have on the ice? And you know what was what was it like finding your footing with them? You know so quickly. Yeah, so I 100% all three guys and Coach Billy too he gave me the opportunity that that's all I ever wanted just just to be able to prove myself. And all the guys in the room are so happy, even if they're on a skid or whatever, they're happy. Everyone in the dressing room is happy for each other, whoever's scoring, whoever's not. And it, it makes yourself, like, you can be confident in yourself in the game and, like, maybe make a mistake and you know your teammate's right there. 
I love it because you get around, joke around with the community. It's the high spirits that are going to come I think, in the league. And there's um, <coughs> nothing really to, to be down about. We're all excited and we all want to get better. We play some music in the room, we jump around, some cereal, and we better. I see you're wearing a Carolina Hurricane hat. I know. I know. I <laughs> lost my favorite hat. This is like something that in Connecticut you probably should never oh wear. Yeah. Yeah. This is a cardinal sin. Right? <laughs> <laughs> think about it. In the hierarchy of hockey. Yeah. You know, I mean, like probably not. But you know, you learn something new every day. Uh, tell us, you're, you're going to play Friday and Saturday mm -hmm. night. We're going into the holiday weekend. What's your mind frame right now? Uh, six points. That's what I want. I, mean, I know it's going to be tough for a little travel, but Aaron Watertown's not an easy place to play. But we can't take anything for granted. We just got to play our game and hopefully come out six points. Um, now, one thing I kept forgetting you on the pod was uh, with Luke. Um, I just want to know what's your relationship with him. I, you know, I love him. Richards? Yeah, he's yeah. The kid's amazing. He's awesome. Awesome. He's, he's so aye. funny. He's one of the guys that's always happy for everyone. He's lighting he's light up the room as soon as you walk in. He smiles. We needed a guy like him to yeah. come to town within the last little while and just yeah. give a look. And he, he came in here, and I think he put same energy he probably brings to the locker room. He brought it yeah. to him, I think. And it's good to hear. Yeah, he wears those. He's super happy, always energetic, and the lights your day up to if you're in the morning. Slow and need a coffee or everything. You don't need any more. You talk to Richard. He's awesome. Definitely. That's cool, man. So, one very last thing before you go. Tell us who's the worst dressed player on the Danbury Hatchers? Ooh. This is tough. That is tough. I, I gotta think. We got some some uh, pictures of our last game going in. This is some I Mike Babcock stuff right here. I want a whole <laughs> list. Every guy. Um, I think we're not going to hold you to this question. We're going to go to commercial <laughs> breaks. <so. All> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <appreciate laughs> you know, Mike, thanks for coming yeah, in today. Yeah, thank we you really so much. appreciate it. No thank you so much. Good job, Archie. <laughs> this is Frankie McClendon, Danbury Hattrick's goalie. You're listening to Hattrick City Radio on 91.7 WXCI. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick City. Once again, I'm here. We just had to take the TJ Uncle Matt. And as always, we've got Coach Billy in for this week's Coach's Corner. We got him back will. in here for the Coach. It's resu we've resumed the Coach's Corner. Yes. How we doing, boys? Good to see you, Coach. Good to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> You're being seen a lot lately. Like I tell you, you guys are on a on a roll. What? What's the the atmosphere in the locker room right now amongst the fellas? Uh, I mean, I think it's a pretty it's a pretty tight room. Uh, the guys have a lot of fun. They enjoy coming to the rink. Uh, they, get, they enjoy being around each other. Um, so you know, it's it's a fun place to be right now. Yeah, and um, you know we we haven't spoke to you for what is it two full game yeah full game weekends um had some a lot of ups one down we but, haven't um, been here since Isla's special special night yeah you, know, you yes, can wrap yes, us up on how that went with the, the Tiny Miracles Foundation yes, yes. a few weeks back uh, we had a special night dedicated to everybody with the Tiny Miracles Foundation and Coach's daughter Isla it was a special event at Danbury Arena as it always is. Uh, Billy, tell us what was the what was the outcome of the event? Uh, I mean, it was excellent. It was uh, it, it was great to see the um, 
the outpouring of giving, you know, towards towards the cause, and you know, it's just a pleasure to be a part of it. And you know, it's grown every year. And I think this year to get the uh, you know, to get the recognition we did from some of the people that were donating to to our cause, it was you know, it's, it fills your heart. That's for sure. Um, and then just to just to recap for the listeners as well, um, we played in Columbus. What about two weekends? I would say. Yep. Um, we came out with overtime win, and the inevitable happened. Well, not inevitable, but the unthinkable, rather. In the that totally moment, unthinkable. The totally unthinkable of our first regulation loss. Um, I just wanted to ask you, from that night, going from the OT win, you know, to that loss. Um, what do you think? What do, what do you think that you saw went wrong um, that night in, in terms of your view uh, from a coach's standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think we just kind of, um, we gave them some momentum where we didn't need to give it to them. And, you know, that's a really well-coached hockey club, and they're a good team. And when you give a team like that momentum down in their barn, you know, it's hard to get that back. And I think that was a really good lesson for us to learn. Um, you know, it was uh, it was a good environment, good good ball club, like I said. So, you know, you're not going to go perfect throughout the season, and you know, for me, looking back at it, it's certainly a good learning lesson for the boys. Of course, and then, you know, now to bring it back up to speed, we played Motor City this weekend, came out on top both times. Um, take us through that weekend, you know, from your view, um, high scoring games both nights. Um, However, we will say the, the first night, <coughs> interesting ending on your part, um, ended up becoming a viewer. It was a great game. moment. Yeah. It was really cool. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, so take us through that, that whole. I, got, I couldn't figure out what you, were, what you were contesting there, but I was just in the heat of the moment. So well, what happened there? Uh, I mean, I, the boys were playing really well, and, um, you know, I think sometimes we get we're kind of a victim of circumstance and we're, you know, a, a, a very highly skilled club and, you know, all eyes are on us and sometimes, um, you know, things go unseen that, that need to be addressed and I just found the need to address it at, at that time and, you know, I, I felt poorly because I put our boys down and, you know, put Willie down five on three and, you know, gave up the shutout for them and, you know, that's something that we talked about in the room after. And, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the game was tremendous. The boys' effort was fantastic. And, you know, I was just uh, sticking up for sticking up for our fellas. You know, as we're getting closer to maybe the midway, not really the midway point of the season, but the middle of, essentially the middle of the year, probably a, we're only a quarter of the way through the schedule, I guess, really. Let me ask you something, Billy. You've been involved with this league so long, and I think something I've wanted to ask you the last couple of weeks is, what do you think could make this league better? I mean, I think it's really going in a good direction. Um, the the markets that we're going into are, are fantastic markets. You know, you look at Biloxi, Mississippi. Um, you know, you you got to win down there. It's a passionate fan base and. You know, they used to, to live in the SB when, when I was down there, and we actually had to go through the old Mississippi surge. Um, 
you know, to win our championship down there. And it's a fantastic place. And, you know, the more the more we expand into those markets, you know, the, the more credibility it brings into the league. And, you know, you look at when I played in this league, when I came into this league, excuse me, um, you know, you had a lot of small, you know, public town rinks and, you know, we played in that. With oh, yeah. The old, uh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, you don't really have that anymore. And, uh, you know, that certainly, it, it helps attract a higher caliber player and players want to be a part of those environments. And, you know, so I think it's, uh, it's really in the right direction. We got so many guys on this year, uh, on the team this year, that kind of, you know, a lot of new faces. And what I want to ask you is really, it's, a, it's kind of going into the season now to ask this question, but. What's your process to recruit these guys and to bring these guys in? A guy like Mike uh, Marchesan, who was just, you know, he's a guest on this this episode. What What's your process to get a guy like this? Do you make contact with potential guys in the summer? Do you talk to, to, to you know, how do you find a guy that comes in <coughs> like Mike does and, you know, for all intents and purposes, makes a pretty immediate impact, of, you know, a couple of months into the season? Yeah, it's... I mean, there's a lot of different avenues you go down, and I certainly rely on the college coaches and the connections that I have at the college levels to to identify the guys that are, you know, potentially going to be pros up and coming. Um, but you know, a lot of it comes from knowing the coaches at, at the other levels, and you know, that's where we got Marchie. He was in Huntsville, um, and, and we got him when when J Mac got cut. You know, him and J Mac were together in Huntsville. They got cut the same day. And, a lot of times you can, it's twofold. You rely on, you know, the coaches you know at the next level and you rely on the guys that go out and who are your best marketers, right? If they come in and they have a good experience here, um, you know, when they're at the next level, if the guy gets cut, they're understanding the business and they're not afraid to talk about, you know, what we're doing here. So uh, you kind of rely on the players, rely on your connections. And, um, you know, we've, we've always really been able to do a good job of doing here, so that's been a, a bright spot of the organization for sure. One thing I wanted to ask you is we have a pretty long stretch coming up where you're going to play mostly Delaware and mostly Watertown, who's, who's middling after winning the Commissioner's Cup last season. But tell me, what you know, what's the challenge in between now and when you play a first place team again like like uh, Columbus, you know? Well, I mean, one thing we always preach is, is just getting better every day. So it's not really, um, you know, it's not the day in front of us. It's not the opponent in front of us. It's, you know, we just have to be better than, than we were the day before. So if we have that mentality, no, no matter who we're playing and we play the way that we can play, uh, play our game and, and, you know, we outwork our opponents, uh, you know, we have the ability to beat everybody in the league. Yeah, and, you know, with that stretch, do you feel the travel might have an impact? I mean, usually it does, but, I mean, especially with going back to the same place a few times, um, do you think <coughs> this is something that just, you know, the guys will get used to? Because I know a lot of these guys haven't made this trip before. Well, listen, I mean, it's it's hard to win on the road uh, at any level. So, you know, we, we have the trip no matter if it's two hours, four hours, eight hours, 12 hours, 16 hours, it's... It's tough to go into somebody else's barn and, and be successful. So that's why we always talk about just playing our game and 
not changing who we are and nothing with our highs get too high or lows too low and certainly our guys are going to experience this, these environments for the first time and as long as we do what we do well you know we should have success when you were, when you were playing in the SPHL who were the who were the teams that you just saw all the time and and that 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 tension and that animosity built. Like, well, I guess you were playing with Huntsville. Yeah, definitely um, Knoxville and Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> two of the teams that, that definitely stick out. They had uh, tough teams, and Boom Boom was in Columbus had, had tough clubs. So uh, those were, were grinding away oxygen for sure. Multiple, basically, like multiple times a month they're playing them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if, if in your time or anybody's time that there have been so many games with one team in such a small small period of time including the rare and i think only looking at the schedule the only tuesday night game yeah. of 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 the season so danbury hattricks fans can can mark the calendar for december 27th it'll be a tuesday night game at seven o'clock i heard a I heard a rumor it's gonna be two dollar beer night is that rumor did that come from Herm? Because if it is, I'm not sure it came from Herm. <laughs> from someone around Herm. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Maybe, maybe starting here. But no, that'd I, be great. That's we, what I heard. If if it's two dollar beer night at Danbury Ice Arena on December 27th against the Delaware Thunder, I think that's a perfect occasion to come out. Oh yeah. I mean, like that, that sounds like something that I'm going to be doing for sure. I'll be there. And, uh, yeah, two dollar beer night would be absolutely absolutely very perfect. Good. Skip work. Yeah, yeah, come right down to the arena. Skip work for the rest of the week. There you go. And there you then, go. You know, just and holidays. The last <laughs> and I, I love bringing up history. One of the great things about this this team is it's really a community based thing, and we get to laugh at things in retrospect. I think the la one of the last times we had a dollar beer night or a two dollar beer night. We had to play the game in the small rink, oh. <laughs> and a uh, few guys got their first goal of the season, but it didn't count. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh. Addy scored a great goal. That was a great one. Yeah, I remember it was like it went over like a frost heave on the ice and right into the goal, yeah. like, like it launched right in. You know what I mean? Like uh, that's so funny you mentioned that. We were talking about that in the office. I think it was after Saturday night's game. Just a few of us, you know, chilling around, and then Nick comes out. Um, my boss at the arena, um, you know, we're we're like, hey, remember when we did that? And one of the main things we were talking about was how the ice wasn't really level enough for the Zam, and the Zam had to come out like front first instead of backing in. Yes. The Zam literally like <laughs> dug, in, dug into the ice and just proceeded to do a wheelie. <laughs> so all you see in the arena is a slam right onto the ice. We we're talking about that game, just how how crazy it was that we played that, and you know the amount of people we got in there. Um, some people have to get dismissed, but that's a whole other thing. Um, I mean, I'm no, hoping no, we have you yeah. on next week, Billy. But you never <laughs> know. I want to ask: Did you have any crazy holiday games in your career, like right before Christmas, or right? Because those can be fun, right before Christmas or New Year's games. Anything that stands <laughs> out? Just be probably because you're asking the question, this one comes to mind, but we were playing in Twin City, which is Winston-Salem. Mm -hmm. Matt Punterary played there, and he scored a goal, and he pulled out a candy cane and took the candy cane and threw it in the crowd. So <laughs> one of our 
our guys jumped him right after. Um, <laughs> but that was probably my craziest you know, Christmas experience. That's on. a great story, though. Yeah. That, that's like totally. It's got to revolve around punts, too. Right. Punts, yeah. if, if nobody knows, Matt Punterary was playing, I believe, with Danville. Uh, the old Danville team against, who was that? I guess maybe that was Dayton, and he pulled a beer out of his hockey pants and he drank it when him and uh, another player were uh, basically pretending that they were going to fight. So that's not the first. That's the first time I heard the candy cane story. So that yeah. I think that just made the whole episode right there for a very good thing. Any, anything else? That's all I got for you. Yeah, no, I hear you, Coach. You got. Um, there two games this weekend. Delaware hasn't been very good. What else is new? But you have Watertown. What, how are you approaching these two things? And what what, what do you what do you expect from these two clubs? And Delaware is a hardworking team. Um, they're hungry for wins, so they're, they're going to grind. And they're at home, so we have to you know, take care of business and outwork them and play our game. And starts in the defensive zone for us, and if we do that, you know our offense is going to come. So. It's important that we take care of night one on the road so we can go to night two with some confidence and get a little bit more belief in ourselves on the road. And listen, we gotta be we gotta be more comfortable uh, having success on the road. And we can't we can't be dropping the points that we are um, like we have in the past. And I mean, we being picky here, but you know, if we take care of business, we're in a we're in a pretty good spot here moving forward. One before you go, I just want to I just want to ask you one thing. You know, looking at the schedule again, just just speaking a little bit to the fans and 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 everybody out there. You know, the hat tricks are going to be going on the road this weekend at a time of year when most people are settling down, maybe taking a week off. And so, just take us through just the, very quickly before you go, Coach. The, the, I guess you're leaving Thursday, the fifteenth of this week to play in, in Delaware on the 16th, which is basically the southernmost opponent in our conference, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's about right. And then you're going to go up all the way up to Watertown. So could you just take us through what you guys going to travel straight to? What, what's, the, what's the process for, you, for your whole team right now? Uh, I mean, we'll head down Thursday night to Delaware. We'll stay down in Delaware. Uh, so the guys will have the day to get ready and play the game. Get on the bus after the game, probably around 11 o'clock. We'll, we'll bus up to Watertown overnight. It's, I believe, a six-hour drive or so. Um, so we'll get there. We'll get checked into a hotel, get a few hours shut-eye, get a pregame meal, and get back to work. And then after that, it's, uh, I think, a five-, six-hour drive home. So uh -huh. we'll get back I don't know, somewhere around 5, 6 a.m. Have Sunday off. There you go. I think it just really... I think it just really speaks to the commitment of the guys on the team and the, and the stuff that goes into trying to, you know, really trying to win Danbury that the championship in this league and to go to go forward. These are the type of the sacrifices that these players are making. And, you know, it's uh, this isn't a this isn't a high-paying league with tons of revenue coming in all the time. These guys are doing it for the the glory and they're doing it for the city. So uh, this won't be our last episode before Christmas, but I'm definitely thankful. Um, just for this group and for Billy, for you yeah. and your your family this year. So good luck this weekend, Coach, for me, and uh, gonna yeah. be gonna be exciting to see. I'll be watching the whole time. Of course, and as always, thank you for for coming on. Of course, boys. Excited to get to work and get back here next week. Way to go. <coughs>
This is Danbury Hattrick's head coach, Billy McCreary, and you're listening to Hattrick City Radio on WXCI 91.7 FM. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hattrick City. Once again, DJ Patty Cake and Dingy Uncle Matt are in the studio today. We got the one and only Kyle Gonzalez. Kyle, how are we doing today? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. This is our third attempt to get you on the show. Third time is the charm. Third time is the charm. Here we are. We had some technical difficulties, and we had somebody go Irish goodbye on us <laughs> yeah. recently. Yeah. So uh, it was uh, it was pretty rough. Kyle, you you I remember you pretty vividly from the 2019 season here, the inaugural season of the Hattricks. Uh, you know, tell us a little about yourself. Where you're from? Yeah, so uh, I was born and raised in Chino Hills, California. Um, played hockey growing up in California um, my whole youth. Uh, you know, started uh, just in the recreational league back home um, in roller hockey, started in roller hockey. Made the switch to ice when I was eight and kind of never looked back. Um, you know, did my juniors, did college, and uh, you know, I ended up in Danbury at some point, so. Being from Southern California, I guess tell me like what was the what was the entryway into hockey for you? Yeah, so uh, so it's funny, you know, most you know most Midwest kids or Minnesotans or or Canadian guys they usually find themselves on the uh, the outdoor pond, the frozen pond. But for me, it was uh, uh, slabs of concrete. Uh, so a local park from my house, like five ten minutes from my house, uh, uh, was constructed. You know, new turf and everything, and then uh, they ended up actually building two outdoor hockey rinks. Um, and that's just kind of where it started. And uh, I remember one day I was all of a sudden in hockey gear at a at an open tryout. Everyone makes a team kind of <laughs> day, and then uh, um, you know got placed on a team and just you know took off from there. Got you know played a year, got better and better each and every single year. And one of my good buddies made the switch to ice before me, and he said uh, you really got to try this out. The game's just so much more fun on ice. So like I said, made the switch when I was eight, and then. Um, the rest is history. Here we are. Well, no, it's, yeah. it's, you've had a pretty extensive run. Just looking back on your junior record, spent a lot of time in the NA3 and the, yeah. uh, I guess that's the Minnesota Junior Hockey yeah, League. Yeah, the Minnesota Junior Hockey League. I don't even know if that league's around anymore. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about, again, coming from the West Coast, where do you have to make a decision about maybe moving away from home and to get to that next level? Yeah, 100%. Um, so... Back then when I was playing um, youth and uh, made my dip into travel at some point, uh, I think I was 13 when I uh, started my first travel um, travel stint. Uh, you know, it, the hockey was getting bigger, but it, it wasn't necessarily, um, you know, as big as it is now. So, uh, you know, I played my 13s and 14s in California, you know, just kind of continuing to develop with a coach that I really um, looked up to back then. His name is Rick Hutchinson. Um, really looked up to him. Um, and then uh, I got the opportunity to go move away to uh, Wenatchee, Washington when I was 15. Wow. And uh, that was a big, um, big decision for my family and I. Uh, but, uh, you know, all due respect to, um, and all credit to my parents, you know, they supported me 100% of the way, just like uh, all the other guys that are playing hockey now or have the opportunity to be playing, you know, we wouldn't be doing it without our parents. So sure. um, right around 15 was when, uh, you know, I decided uh, to kind of take my game elsewhere and, you know, develop with um, the, a different coach up in Wenatchee. His name was Rod uh, Collins. 
um, being so close to the Canadian border, we had a lot of opportunity to play like prep schools, like Pursuit of Excellence and um, Edge Academy, this and that over. Exhibition uh, games. And yeah, stuff exhibition too. games over from teams in like the BC area. So, um, you know, it, there wasn't there wasn't anything like written in stone at this age you go somewhere you know I just kind of took the leap of faith and you know it ended up working out so yeah so I'm just looking at your elite prospects now how did you, did you did you end up in Chicago yeah so after after um, after I played uh, 18 AAA in Wenatchee um, my first year of juniors was in Chicago and that happened you know they had an open camp in California I, I went to an open camp um, you know, trying to play on the North American team, uh, but you know, uh, I ended up falling short, which was okay. But they were so closely affiliated. You know, come play for any three team, we'll call you up to the North American team. Um, that never ended up happening. But yeah, so the team was located in Chicago, but they had an open camp in California at a local rink because the head coach from that team was actually from California. Wow. So that's kind of how he ended up there. And. You know, honestly, that's kind of how that whole journey started. Once you get your foot in one door, it's pretty easy to kind of go from different, go to different teams from there. So definitely seems yeah. like you went to different teams and bounced around. I guess yeah. you went to North Iowa and Cleveland, and yeah. then to Minnesota. How how does that all happen at that young age? Like, what's going through your mind? I mean, how old are you at that time? What's going through your mind when you have to make these moves? Yeah, so my first year in Chicago, I was a senior. So I guess senior in high school. Se senior in high school, so 17 turning 18. Um, so I was a new kid on campus, and that was kind of scary. But, uh, you know, I ended up making some good friends. Um, and then after Chicago, I went to North Iowa. Um, you know, the year before, they were a pretty dominant team. So, you know, playing in a certain, playing in the league, you know, you kind of take note of what teams are good, what teams are bad, and, you know, what teams you want to go to and try and um, get better with. And um, North Iowa was a good team. Ended up going to North Iowa. Um, you know, ended up becoming the captain there. Um, and uh, Thanksgiving rolled around, and all the boys went home and ended up, uh, you know, um, having a little get-together I wasn't supposed to have. So I had to go to uh, Cleveland. So they took the C off my chest and ended up trading me. But uh, that was kind of a learning experience for me as far wow. as uh, just maturing and, you know, um, rules are rules and, and, and they're not meant to be broken. So uh, it stung a little bit, but uh, at the same time, I just kind of look at it as, as something that made me a little bit stronger and, and uh, a little bit more mature. Um, after North Iowa, I ended up going to uh, the Minnesota League. Is that is that what it's saying? There? Mm -hmm. The Minnesota League. Um, and uh, I got tied into all that because when I was in North Iowa, I met this kid named Kyle Kruger, uh, and he was also on the North Iowa team. We ended up becoming really good buddies, uh, and his dad ended up buying the Minnesota Magicians. Wow. So, uh, yeah, he was a pretty, pretty wealthy guy. So he ended up buying the Minnesota Magicians, um, and ended up spending the summer with him, training with him, uh, got a little stint with the Magicians. Um, but they were closely affiliated with the Hudson Crusaders in the Minnesota Junior League. And uh, they ended up having a really good coach in Hudson. His name is uh, um, Shane Wagner. Okay. Um, and he kind of helped me develop and uh, let me stay there and, uh, you know, do my thing and ended up getting me ready for college. So, you know, to answer your question, you know, everything tied together, you know, looking forward, you kind of look for good teams to go play for and also, um, you know, the coaches as well. Like, you know, even here with Billy, you know, it shows this place because of, 
coach like Billy. He's a great coach, so stuff like that. What about college here? I see you going to Northland College. It's a college that anybody who really, really follows hockey closely probably heard of in, in their life. I, yeah. I, I definitely have heard of the college. But one thing that we spoke about when we were talking off air is that it's like so small. There's less yeah. than a thousand students, yeah. you said. So what, what drew you to that college? You know what I mean? Did you have any other schools that were really recruiting you? What drew you there? Yeah. What was the experience ultimately like? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, so it was like about like 600 to 700 students on campus, so wow. super small school, um, but uh, to answer your question, what drew me there was um, basically the opportunity that uh, they said I was going to have and uh, the opportunity I saw that I was going to have. Um, at the time when I was going in as a freshman, they weren't, uh, or we weren't necessarily, you know, the school you write home about, um, so... Uh, you know, I went in as a freshman and was able to play, um, but we had a super big recruiting class. I think we had like 13 or 14 kids that's coming in as freshmen, so it was a battle. Um, ended up playing half the games. It's only 25 games in a college season, so I think I played like 12 games my freshman year, and then half the games senior, uh, sophomore year, um, and then uh, full seasons junior and senior year. But uh, yeah, just the opportunity I felt like I was going to have and just kind of be an impact right away to make the school and organization a better place to play for our current class and classes to come forth. Um, like you said, super small school, so like the teacher to student ratio was another thing I kind of looked at. For me personally, I wouldn't be able to go to like a big uh, um, college lecture and get anything out of it. Uh, so like we talked about off air, um, the class size was maybe like 15, 15 yeah. kids, 10 to 15 kids a class. So. You really, uh, you really get to be dialed in and really interact with teachers and their questions and, and their lessons for the day. So I think I really benefited from you know going to a smaller school like that, small community. And, and how many students did you say again? In each class or in the whole school? Probably six to seven hundred. So six to seven hundred. So just to put it into perspective, here at Western Connecticut State, we have in total number of students is over four thousand, almost forty-five hundred students. We have thirty-eight hundred undergraduate so we're talking like wow. a, a much much bigger school than, than where you went yeah. here comparatively tell me a little bit about like what what's the culture there like is everybody on sports even the boys the girls is everybody doing pretty much the same thing or? yeah it's definitely more of a, a sports school than um, than you would uh, find kids who aren't into any sports so we had a few big main sports on campus it was hockey was the biggest for sure then it was probably baseball lacrosse soccer um, and we had a golf team as well I believe um, so more than half percent of the kids attending that campus were probably uh, I would want to bet that were sports guys and then other kids were there for um, the school was also really big in that, that like science like biology and stuff like that so they, we got a lot of biology kids too um, but yeah no it was, it was a big sports school for sure just touching on what you said before, I think that, you know, some of our fans, um, it might not be totally clear just by some of the talent that we get in here sometimes, but like it's, it's pretty competitive at, at D3 hockey. And, and there's only something that I don't think a lot of, I've been doing so much more research into college hockey for the story that I have coming out in uh, Connecticut Magazine, but, you know, like, there's only less than 10 Division two schools and they don't play a national championship. Yeah. Then there's like, I mean, how many Division three, D three hockey programs? Uh, you think there's uh, 
less than 100 you know maybe it's 85 there's yeah that's probably a safe number to say yeah and then and then and then division one i mean it, it, it like now if you consider it right um uh i'm trying to think ncaa division one maybe there's oh i don't even know uh there's gotta be there's gotta be like i don't know uh, it's tough to say right now because you know, there. I, I still think it's probably only like a hundred. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like only like two, two more. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and you know when you think about it, th it's really tough for these kids to make these teams. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why you see, uh, let's see, Division One. Wow, they're we're all wrong. No According way. to Google, it says there are only sixty-two teams fielding men's ice hockey Division One level. Wow. That sounds about right. So that just goes to show you the level of talent. You know what I mean? And how many teams did you say? 62. 62. Because okay. I was thinking of like, okay, in a ranking system, I would always see like top 30. So I'm like, there can't be any more, yeah. much more than that. And you got to remember, there's virtually no Division 2. Yeah. No, there's, there's no Division 2 like kind of NCAA hockey. Right. You know, so there's yeah. only Division 1. And then there's Division Three. Why they skipped Division Two, I have no idea. There's a handful of teams in the New England area that are considered Division Two. NCAA doesn't sponsor a championship for it, but St. Mike's College. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other one. The um, kid from the Hatricks now played uh, is it Post University? I think they're okay. technically oh, yeah. D2. Okay, yeah, they're yeah. D2. I think they're all That's technically right. D2. But there's only like six or seven schools. Like at one time there was ten. I think University of New Haven at one time was one of these yeah. schools okay. that was like historically D2. So it just goes to show you how hard it is. You could probably be a great player and not get, not get a chance to play D3. You know what I mean? You have to go the club route. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? 100%. Yeah, no, as you were kind of looking it up, I just kind of did quick math I mean even at the division one level with 62 or 65 teams or whatever you said and let's say they carry 25 man rosters that's only 1500 kids that get to play hockey right you about how many kids are trying to go college so um, not a lot of kids get an opportunity to play um, college hockey and for those that did get to play college hockey at the NCAA level you know it's very very fortunate because it's such a great experience as far as you know being supported by the school and the, and the student body and the faculty and all that stuff so um yeah not very many kids get the opportunity but um for those that did not i'm sure they all enjoyed it okay so the division one fbs football um again it's about 130 yeah teams uh, right okay and then roster spots are what 100 Sure. Think about it, right? Like okay. even yeah, it's like fifty something. Even though, yeah, but even yeah, but, but, but for, does that count the practice to, squad? I was gonna say prior to right. cuts and all that, it's like probably a hundred something. I'm saying there's there's got to be twenty guys. I mean, I I don't know how it works anymore. Yeah. You know, I, 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 but when I was going to Westcon here, you know, forget it. This was a D three sports school, and we had guys that were either trying to get eligible or came up here and got cut, like. There were probably a hundred guys I knew yeah. that were brought in to play football. They couldn't get eligible. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't pass a drug test. Who, who knows what the heck, yeah. it, the heck it was in those days? But the opportunities are so limited for hockey and Division One basketball and football. It's just they're adding every day. They're yeah. adding every day. Hockey's getting a little bit better, but it just goes to show you that like some of the guys coming to the hat tricks, they could be playing on those levels, 
there's just not that many opportunities you yeah. know what I mean to do so you yeah know what I mean if you go to one school and it doesn't work out it might be hard to find that next school you know what I mean yeah. so it, uh, being a four-year player like you you must have endured a lot of different comings and goings and changes at the program maybe oh anything yeah. like that oh yeah like I said uh, my freshman class was about 15 kids there were six of us that graduated out of that class. Wow. That just put it in perspective. There were only six of us that were left standing from that 15-man freshman class that came in. So, you know. Those are just students or players? Players. Players. Players, players. yeah. 15 so 15, yeah. Hockey, 15 freshmen that were went there to Northland College for the hockey. How many do you think actually got in a game while they were there? All of them? We all got games. The guys who left didn't like how many or like how little games they played maybe their roles on the team the school maybe like the school is very very liberal arts um uh, obviously nothing against the liberal arts school but just you know that may not uh be in the same beliefs that or same ideas of how people think society works mm -hmm. for some people how small the school was there were so many factors that played into um you know the decisions of guys whether if they stay or go outside of hockey on top of the hockey so the hockey is the main plus the environment and everything else around it so like I said there were 15 guys that came in and there were six of us that we took a picture together our graduation day from our freshman class wow. so they, yeah they, some guys just kind of leave and go off and do the transfer to different schools and stuff like that so I mean yeah I mean, there's a bunch of factors. At a school like that, where you say it was a little more uh, geared towards athletes, what was your living situation like? You guys have a nice place to live? Or? Yeah, so uh, I'm not sure if it's the same way with all colleges, but uh, freshman year they uh, required us to live on, on campus in dorms. I don't know if it's just to get familiar with everything going on. Um, but outside of that, uh, we tried to get off campus as quick as we could, you know, because if you do your three or four years of juniors, you go into college as a 21-year-old. So right. you're already an older kid, um, you know, living in down the hall from an 18-year-old who's first year out of their house is partying until 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning. So they're so she excited to be able to. Toilet paper yeah, yeah, just, a bunch <laughs> of, just a bunch of random stuff that uh, may not flow for an older guy at the time at 21. So... Um, sophomore year, we usually all got out of the, got out of the dorms, and there was... Um, there was a house that was passed down from class to class. It's called the Jack House. We were the Northland Lumberjacks, so uh, it was called the Jack Shack, actually. <laughs> the Jack Shack, that's, that's what it was. Super greasy spot, by the way. <laughs> so many memories in there. But the Jack Shack housed like five, and then uh, me personally with a few other roommates, we had a spot for uh, sophomore, junior, senior year. So, um, yeah, uh, the living situation was good. The campus was beautiful. You know, they took care of us well if we lived on campus, but off-campus stuff was all on us you know we had to find our own leaser we had to you know pay our own bills and this and that so um it's a good experience also as well one thing i wanted to ask you is you see a lot of guys that go through the junior hockey experience and just as you said right now they get to the college um to a college situation at 21 you know like a real adult age for for most people you yeah. know what i mean what is it about you or the what for you, what was it that made you stick through it? I mean, you could have gone, could have maybe turned pro in a small country or something like yeah. that, or come to the Fed earlier or something like that. What, what was it about you that made you want to stick out the four-year process of, of being a student athlete? That little piece of paper you get from the from the dean you know, of the school saying you did it, right? Yeah. So, 
my uh, being being just my background, um, you know, my mom's 100% Asian Japanese, my dad's 100% Hispanic, so uh, pretty interesting combination. But uh, the goal is obviously always school for hockey, and uh, you know, get your degree. Um, you know, things are turning nowadays. You know, you don't uh, you know guys can land good jobs without degrees, this and that. But my parents are very traditional. You know, say you know you have to get your four-year degree, get that piece of paper, and it'll make life a lot easier for you. So just on top of, uh, I think, my understanding of what uh, my four-year degree would do for me in the future, um, it had to have been the guys, the group of guys that I was with as far as, uh, you know, each year um, you get closer and closer with the guys and you play with the same group of guys for four years, they become like your brother. You know, you that's super cliche hockey teams. Like, I have 20 brothers in there. It's like... Uh, the group of guys I was with definitely made staying at a small school like that in the middle of Wisconsin <laughs> in dash 35 weather, you know, you know, getting dark by 4 p.m. every single day during winter time. You know, if it wasn't for the guys, I definitely wouldn't have been able to do it for sure. So uh, the, deg the degree, number one, and then two is for the boys, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. How did you guys do on the ice in your four years? So my first year, uh, first year we were all um, – developing, getting better. Second year, we made playoffs. The first time Northland made playoffs in probably a decade or so. Wow. So we made playoffs. Um, didn't make playoffs junior year, and then made playoffs again senior year. So we progressively, I think, we, you know, we kind of built a foundation. Um, you know, I don't want to pump my class of 19, 2019's uh, uh, tires too much, but I think we were kind of the start of the trend to kind of get better players in um, for the years to come. You know, I can't imagine how hard it is for a coach to recruit uh, for a school that, uh, you know, misses playoffs, has 600 kids at their campus, and uh, you're battling winter for, you know, half the year. Um, but he did great with our class, and slowly by surely, you know, as you can, as, as you see as a kid coming into college, you say, oh, Northland's getting better, a little bit better, and I feel like I can help them still, so. Um, yeah, you know, we're just getting better and better every single year. Um, but, you know, we're in a very tough conference conference over there. Um, are you playing Lake Superior? Who are you playing? So when I was there, my four years, we were in the division called uh, the NCHA. So we'd play, um, like, St. Norbert's. We'd play Adrian. We'd play... Uh, we'd play Adrian, yeah. Adrian's a good school. Powerhouse. We'd play, like, Marion, the uh, good Wisconsin schools. Um, Adrian has like four hockey teams. They have like four or five yeah. hockey teams. They have their D3 team, their uh, NCAA and they team. Go all and the way down. Like club, club one, club two, two and three. three yeah. yeah. So they have like a whole system figured out over there. Um, but yeah, and then uh, Northland just recently made the switch to the WIAC, the Wisconsin League. So now they play uh, teams like Stout and UW Superior and, and uh, um, you know, MSOE and all those from Milwaukee School of Engineering. So, I mean, NCHA or WIAC, I mean, we were battling every night. And obviously, being kind of a lower-end team, we we had to bring it every single night. There was no nights off. We were the night off for other teams, so we, we had to battle. So it was tough, but that's what helped me develop me and kind of get me where I am. Were you always a defenseman? Always a defense. Well, actually, grew up playing forward. Um, and then when I was maybe a peewee around 12, I made the switch to defense. So it was cool to kind of know both sides of the both sides of the game, and I think it's really helped. For sure. What did you study while you were there? 
I studied business management, super super generic business management, minored in psychology. Mm -hmm. um, but I came across a few um, human resource management courses in my um, in my process of getting my business management degree, which kind of led me to pursue my master's here in human resource management. So wow, that's, that's pretty I'm awesome. Yeah, you're I'm doing that while you're playing. I'm doing that while I'm playing. I've been grinding it out. I started not last summer, the summer before. Um, you know, and I try and do like three or four classes over summer and maybe one during the hockey hockey season. I did a class last season um, and it's just tough, you know, uh, studying on the bus when the boys are watching a movie instead and I'm trying to read a lecture or, or taking a test before pregame skate on Saturday morning. So it's just kind of, um, it, it's doable. Um, but you know, being that I'm at where I'm at with my career, I want to really soak in the moments on that with I, I make with the boys, and and so I have one class left. It's it's just a finance class, but I'm going to take care of that over summer, and I'll be done. So looking forward to it. There you go. Yeah, I'm gonna throw a big party. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, it's party. finals. It's yeah. final season right now. I mean, were you were you playing hockey and cramming for finals, or was it was a little different for you guys? Uh, at my four year. Yeah. At my four year, no, it was the same. So yeah. it was the same. Uh, you know, teachers uh, knew we were part of the hockey team, but uh, they didn't give us any leeway when it came to the finals. So we were still studying like everyone else. We were still you know, taking the same test as everyone else, but our study day starts at 7 p.m. at night after dinner instead of 3 p.m. after class. So a full day of practice, dinner, and then hit the books for finals was a really big test for, you know, how bad you want it, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were those finals hard, do you remember? Finals are always hard for, for <laughs> hockey guys. Hockey guys are always grinding out, uh, whether if it's a last minute study session or whatnot, but uh, I do remember, I do remember, uh, I was in a chemistry class, my senior year of chemistry, like <laughs> intro to chemistry, senior year, because oh. I just pushed it away the whole time, and, yeah. and uh, you know, I'd, uh, we'd always take, like, quizzes, I'd do great on the homework because of the boys, uh, we had one whiz, his name was, like, Cole Woodcliffe, he, uh, he was a whiz when it came to this, so kind of asked him for his help, hey freshman, I need your homework. So I'd get his homework, do 100% on homework. I'd bomb every pop quiz, because <laughs> you can't cheat. Yeah. Bomb every pop quiz, and then um, finally got to the final, and, and my teacher knew that something was up, because I did great on the final. Uh -oh. Failed every pop quiz, <laughs> did great on the final. The teacher never said hi to me in the halls ever again, because she, oh she knew what was God. up, but she never caught me red-handed. So uh, here's my little confession for you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's one final. I do remember throwing my hands up in the air and just being like, I have no fucking idea what's going on right now. This yeah. is insane. This is Caught. Insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she knows what's going on. Tell us a little bit about where your where does your path to pro hockey start? Where do you start thinking that there's some reality you get you get paid a little for this? Yeah, I mean, so after after call my college season ended, um, uh, I just got a, I just got a phone call one day. Say, hey, how's it going, Kyle? My name is his name was Rod. Uh, hey, how's <laughs> it going? My name is Rod. I'm I'm with the Danville Dashers. They used to be in the F, uh, the FHL, uh, the Federal Hockey League. Um, I wonder who it was. The, the Danville Dashers. No, no, I know the Dashers, but I wasn't who the coach was. Uh, who, who was it calling? Uh, his name was uh, Rod, uh, gosh, I do not recall his last name. Just an older gentleman. Rod so Davidson? Yes. It was him? Yes. Wow, he coached Binghamton last year. Yes, you know, yes, yeah. the old bingo coach. You know, he was like, 
in his 70s, oh, approaching. Yeah, super like, old, but yeah. super soft-spoken, great guy, and I'll, I'll for always, uh, forever, you know, kind of owe a little bit to him, you know, because he's the first guy that ever gave me the call. Great guy. He's the first guy that ever, you know, said, hey, come on down and play for us. I spent uh, three weeks there, um, so that's three weeks off school. That's three weeks of doing schoolwork on my own. Wow. And teachers were eventually like, hey, if you want to pass and graduate, you need to come back and start, like, doing this, these finals and these assignments. So I didn't want to leave. But like I said, you know, four, the four-year degree was more important at the time because I knew I'd get my chance the next year. So I ended up having to leave. Um, but, yeah, it just started with an innocent phone call. And Do you know how he found you? I th I, as far as I know, I think coaches just call schools after their season's done. So they may just look at like the website, oh, this team got eliminated, and see what kind of demon they have. I'm gonna call this kid, for, I'm gonna call this coach about this kid. Uh, and I also do recall our coach asking at one point my senior year, a show of hands, you know, who wants to pursue playing a little professional hockey? And I was like, fuck yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. And you know, some guy's hands stay down and I'm sure those are the guys that the coaches, or the coach didn't pass names along to. It's like, hey, you have these four guys to choose from, three or, three or forwards, one's a defenseman, what do you need? And maybe they needed a D-man, so I have no idea why he picked me, um, but got lucky, and that's just kind of how it started. Started in Danville that year, uh, played, like I said, like three games, two or three games or whatever in a span of three weeks, um, and then the year after that... Uh, Looks like you played five games with Was him. it five games? Okay, cool, five games. And then the year after that, I, I uh, decided I wanted to do this pro thing. So at a, at a very uh, semi-professional level, I got, I got like an agent. Mm -hmm. um, and that's who kind of hooked me up with Billy and Danbury. And, and as far as I'm concerned, I got really lucky to be hooked up with Danbury because we were electric the first year. And they, they were so, we were so good. Um, and I was a part of their inaugural season back. And, and you know, it's just a blessing in disguise to be hooked up with Danbury and my agent did a great job so I mean yeah it's just just an innocent phone call I think an innocent phone call what something that I was kind of just to get your take on what's what's the whole deal with an agent at this level how does it work does it work like it works with like any other athlete or is it working reverse like how does it yeah, work yeah so I can only talk from my perspective you know I I don't have um you know, I don't have any idea how the agents work at the NHL level, but as far as um, uh, any similarities, you know, I know agents do talk about, you know, with, with coaches, like for Billy, for instance, you know, like how much do you think you can pay him? Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, I have to put video together myself, you know, because they can't watch us on TV or anything. So I have to like cut, cut, cut film and send out film and stuff like that. My agent would send them to different teams. And, you know, they talk about, you know, what kind of player are you looking for, you know, how much money can you afford to pay this kid? Uh, what's the living situation like? So they kind of touch everything of the basics, money, living, you know, where's this kid gonna fit for you? You know, what opportunities do you see, foresee him, you know, being able to fulfill on your team and stuff like that? Um, you know, nothing talks about like, uh, you know, multi-year contracts, that's not a thing, right? So we're year, year by year here, um, but yeah. Some similarities, but I'm also sure, you know, some very big differences as well. Yeah, like, is it something I heard is that, like, and I, I to be honest, I can't even think of a specific guy who told me something like this, but I'm sure there's a, some uh, kind of fringe guys that do it. It's like, 
these these lower league agents is it that the payer the player is paying them in advance of finding them a job is that what you did so uh with my first agent i've had two now with my first agent uh um both were named nick actually <laughs> uh, it's funny n-i-c-k and n-i-c so uh, but my first agent uh he had a set price let's just say four hundred dollars total uh or i think it was five hundred dollars so uh, I pay him X amount to start working, and then I pay X amount when I sign the contract. With my current agent, uh, he doesn't make me pay anything until I put pen to paper, which, I mean, I personally, I mean, I give him all credit for, because, I mean, he's working his bag off without seeing any money until he gets me signed, which I feel like is a little bit more personal than having someone pay you to work, and then you get paid again when you get signed. Um, he's doing all the work because if, if I don't sign anywhere, he doesn't get paid yeah. and he still works three months for me for free. So, I mean, um, you know, I think uh, the current agent I have now is, uh, um, you know, he's a great guy. A uh, few guys on my team work with him as well. Kuzi works with him. J-Mac works with him. Um, and Xavier Abdullah worked with him as well. So, um, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. He's, and he's got a bunch of guys that are in North America in this uh, Southern Professional League and the Federal Hockey League and Coast, too. So, Something that I'm looking at here is, you know, you were part of that great 1920 season. And we're, we're only starting, I think, uh, well, you weren't here last year, so you can't compare it. But, like, uh, we're only starting to see those crowds that we, that we had in early 2020. Back at Danbury Arena again. I mean, the, the, it was getting to be a, a packed house, and it was it was building up. What do you remember personally uh, about kind of where the 2020 season ended? Because uh, I, mean, I think we had a game like right. Like a, I think we had a. I think Danbury Hattricks had a midweek game or something. We were supposed to think we had a Thursday game or something. We were supposed to play and. All of a sudden, uh, the whole world shut down indefinitely, and, and we lost players like you for a while. Yeah, yeah. So that first year of that 1920, uh, I'm not sure. I think, I think I only played seven or ten games. I'm not sure how many games it says I played that season. Yeah. Um, but yeah. You played ten games. Yes, yeah, ten games. Um, from what I remember back then, you know, the crowd, the crowd's great, and the crowd's great now. I mean, for for a federal <coughs> hockey team. Um, you know, you go to any other arena other than maybe Columbus and maybe Binghamton and maybe Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem, Binghamton, Columbus, and us probably have the most support throughout the league. Everyone else is kind of just like a dress like a seat night. Um, but to go back to that COVID year, um, it's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, with all due respect. Yeah, with uh, go back to that COVID year. Um, when, when everything shut down, I was uh, in Roanoke, and we were actually loading the bus to get on a road trip. Wow. And the coach called for a team meeting, and we're like, what's going on? And, of course, you know, everyone uh, was uh, taken by shock. You know, first it was, like, the NBA, I don't know, then, like, the NHL, then the NFL, and then, like, AHL. And then, like, you, so you kind of felt it coming. But we were like, well, they don't, they don't care about us down here. So, I mean, we thought we were going to continue playing through all this stuff, but I don't think we realized how big of, like, magnitude that COVID was going to become. So, yeah, it shut us down, and, and it was tough because, uh, you know, it was, it was just such an awesome year. You know, it, everything was going good. But, uh, 
the fans are coming back, you know, everyone's kind of starting to get comfortable and everything, so we're packing it now. How does that shutdown impact you and your mind state? Did you, what, what did you do different? Because everybody had time on their hands. Yeah, yeah, for me personally, um, my, my mom's, uh, so, so COVID happened, um, we stuck around for a bit because we were in between like, they may, they may bring the season back. So we kind of, they kind of had to stick around for a few weeks. Um, but it ended up fully getting shut down. And um, for me personally, um, that's kind of when I met my current fiance now. So I ended up going to her house, spending some time there. Um, in Virginia? Uh, it, actually in Georgia, okay. in, in, in Macon, Georgia, um, Warner Robins, Georgia area. But um, for me, COVID, it was just uh, a lot of just us time, me and her time, and, and you know, really got to know each other and, and places were closed. Uh, couldn't go to the movies, couldn't go to, you know, couldn't go to Dave and Buster's, couldn't go go-karting, stuff like that. So it kind of actually gave us a, um, an opportunity to just kind of really get to know each talk. other and talk. <laughs> and, yeah. like, and like, you know, things that, you know, like most people kind of forget the, the foundations of a relationship with, um, right. communication. So we we talked, we, we made up shit to do, like, you know, like, like puzzles, you know, arts and crafts and stuff. Like, you know, she's a girl, she's super creative you know, with yeah. ideas and stuff go to the parks, walk, go on a nice walk, stuff like that. So I honestly almost see it as like a, like a blessing. Like we got to know each other, but unfortunately, you know, the world was shut down, you know, people were getting sick, this and that. So it wasn't a blessing, but you know, it was, it was good for me. You guys are engaged now, right? We're engaged. Yeah. We got engaged in May. Um, you know, it's awesome. She's an awesome girl. And, you know, she was, uh, she was looking, she was uh, getting itchy for the ring, and you know, I was. Uh, that's when all the trouble starts. Yeah, that's, that's when all the trouble starts, yeah. So I put a ring on and figured it'd buy me a few more rounds of golf with the boys and, and a few nights out, so. Mm. Also, so <laughs> Maybe. Um, Maybe. Um, let's get back to hockey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that COVID year where there was just like four teams playing around, you played with Elmira and. And Carolina, did you realize like how crazy the whole thing was at that point? Like, you know, it wasn't really a season. They're not calling it the, the commissioner's cup. Yeah, yeah, no, all that, all that, that was just a crazy year in perspective. Just because, uh, right, COVID shut down a lot of teams, so each league was very good. So the, um, uh, so like the Federal Hockey League only had like four or five teams playing. The SP only had like five teams. The Coast only had five teams. So all the kids that weren't on their original teams got loaned out to other teams. So each team had the best players from every other team, which made each team and league good. Um, and that's when I realized how crazy the year was because <laughs> I was out there and and in and, and like a, in the federal hockey league, but I was like, this is really like fast hockey right now. Like this is way better than what I remember the Fed to be. That was just because like a lot of SP guys were playing um, in that league. Yeah, things had moved around. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah, so Elmira to Winston-Salem. You know, I started with Elmira. I wasn't, wasn't really a fan of the way things were ran there as far as, um, you know, just you know, the coaching and stuff like that. So I ended up making a move to Winston-Salem for a few weeks and that ended up working out pretty good. But that year is kind of just a wash for everybody, so. Were you going to school or anything at the time? What were you doing just outside of this? Outside of hockey at that point? No, I was not, I did not start school till that summer, I okay. think. Yeah, so after I graduated in 19, took a took a few years off to just play, obviously go home and work over summer and, and uh, 
yeah, but then, like I said, I met Megan, and, and she was in pursuit of her master's, and I was like, shoot, I think I got to do something more with myself, so that's when I kind of ended up pursuing my master's. That's well. awesome. That's yeah. good to hear. Yeah, so she pushed me, for sure. Um, just looking uh, at your, your, basically, your resume here, you played most of last season with Birmingham in yep. the Southern Professional League, as a friend of mine uh, is part owner of that team that goes uh, Adam Adam Rubin. Shout out to Adam, by the way. Uh, what was it like down there? Is it a good city to play hockey in? What was the atmosphere like, you know? Yeah, Birmingham was an awesome spot. <laughs> uh, you tell someone you're playing in Alabama and professional hockey in Alabama, and they look at you with a, like you got your face on backwards. But uh, the support down there with just, like, the fans, it's just uh, you think of, like, there's they they don't have anything going on in that town but the hockey the hockey team there's a university of alabama um uh, uh uab so university of alabama birmingham or something in the town as well so they got like the football games and the baseball games or whatever but um the support they had down there as far as just like the booster clubs to the the packed house every night to just the way the front office ran to the coaching staff to the amenities we were given and all those things. I mean, Birmingham was a great spot. That's cool. And great spot. Like, yeah, we thought we might have been able to get you back last season. You never ended up up here. But you came back to Danbury this season after playing very briefly in the Southern Professional League for Macon, the Mayhem, where uh, Nick Meter is the coach. What, what led you back here? Yeah. Um, so at the beginning of this summer, I had actually signed with Danbury. I told Billy, you know, I'm all in, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get this going. And then uh, I saw that Nieder got the job in Macon. And Nieder and I were teammates in 19 and 20 here. So I I, uh, I saw that as an opportunity to make an SB team. Uh, so I called Nieder. I said, hey, coach, you know, I, you know, I'd love to come play for you this year. You know, you think I'll get an opportunity? I uh, said, yes. Ended up coming out, made it through training camp, um, got one game and and uh, within one week, um, five or six ECHL defensemen came down. And so just kind of how it worked here in Danbury, you know, I came down from the SP, so maybe someone kind of gets pushed down the roster a little bit. That kind of happened to me in, in the SP when Coast guys come down, and, and uh, those are things you can't plan for. Um, so I unfortunately kind of got beat out a little bit, um, um, lost my spot. and. That's kind of when I decided, you know, I want to come back to Danbury. And uh, one thing missing from my resume is, is a championship. And uh, I think that's why, you know, I'm here. That's why, you know, Johnny's here and, and Gory and kind of the older guys, you know, it's because we want something on our finger before it's all done. And, and we want it to be a championship ring. So um, that's kind of the big driver that brought me back here. And, and also, you know, felt like I'd get good opportunity playing all over all over the ice, you know, with power play, PK, I'll get plenty of time playing and get to be the leader a little bit. So uh, I'm kind of fulfilling, uh, you know, a few uh, last un unchecked boxes on the resume for sure. Tell me a little bit about how you feel you guys have been able to put together this run you've been on. Where Where is it kind of coming from, you know, it, it, like in the intangible things, you know what I mean? The culture Billy's, Billy's built, um, you know, uh, I can sit here and kind of talk about the, the way Billy runs things all day, but uh, you know, most teams want to win 
Uh, but the thing is, Billy expects to win every day. And I think that's the difference from us and other teams is uh, we don't go into games uh, looking for the win. We go into the games knowing that we have a very good opportunity to win if we do the right things. So uh, all credit to Billy and just kind of the cultures he's built over the few years he's been involved with the team, whether if it's as a head coach or just the general manager or whatever it is. Um, you know, he brings in the right guys off that are good guys off the ice. And everything translates to on ice stuff. So good work ethic, you know, uh, good head on shoulders and things like that. And and so it's a hundred percent the culture for sure. And you know, with that culture being built this season, um, just do you just keep expanding on it and you know and just keep building it up and up as the season goes on until it's just you know something else. Whatever. I don't know how famous, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, you might be able to I guess the I guess what you're trying to say, well, I guess the, the biggest difference this year is that it's a it's a smaller group of guys yeah. coming and going so far. Yeah. And that's what we saw a lot of turnover last year and we saw pretty much two different rosters between home and away at times. I yeah, I, I, I do think that we're on a on a path right now we weren't necessarily on at all last season. Um mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it's, it's it, the, a lot of different things factored into that, but uh, I I do think too that it was you know kind of regrouping after COVID and getting the right guys in. It, it was going to take time, yeah. You know, to to kind of build it up back again. You got to I tell people again, it's like we've got such a strong fan base here in Danbury that when you really look at it, in 19 and 20, people started gradually coming back, gradually coming back. And then they lose basically the last month of the season and then the entire next season yeah. here, playing games here. So, I mean, there was a lot to rebuild from. I think, I think that uh, all in all, we're in, a better, we're in a better place. Kyle, you're working on a Masters. How much longer do you see yourself playing? Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's, the, that's the golden question, and I, and I get asked that pretty often. But... Um, I tell I often tell people it kind of just depends on how this year goes if uh, you know I, I've talked to a few guys uh, if I if I walk out with something heavy on my finger here uh, it won't be hard to walk away from the game knowing uh, I did it but at the same time I've talked to guys who have won something before and they say when you win something you want to go get another one <laughs> so um, and uh, so it just kind of all depends um, you know over summer uh, you know, granted, hopefully everything goes well this season and we accomplish our goals. Uh, um, I'll be done with my masters this summer. I'll throw out some, you know, throw out the resume to some big companies and, and see who bites. And, and if and if I get one hooked on a line, uh, I'm gonna have a big choice to make. And at that point, uh, you know, the decision will be made then. But you know, for sure, obviously this year, um, and 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 maybe next year. You know, next year I'll be 29, turning 30. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, at that point in time, you know, uh, you, you, I want to get the other part of my life going as well. Um, with all due respect to the game, I know we can only play this game for uh, an X amount of time, but, uh, you know, I, I, I want to also see what the next chapter in my life holds as well. So, um, two years maybe, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. No number on it yet, but uh, we'll, we'll just see what happens for sure. What about um, kind of when you're when you are done playing? Where do you think you're gonna live? Are you gonna live out here or down south? Or? Man, 
That's another good question. Back so, west. like I said, I'm from California. I love the West, um, but uh, um, you know, um, it's more than just me in this equation now, too. And and uh, she's got family out here in Georgia, and I got family out in California. So we've often talked about a middle ground somewhere in like Texas or something. Um, but now that we're up here, and she sees the leaves changing colors and and the <laughs> snowfall and New and, and, the, and the eastern you know feel to the houses and, and being so close to the city we just went to the city on sunday hour and a half train ride and, and we're in the middle of new york and so like that was an awesome experience so i mean she likes it out here i i'm not opposed to it it's just uh i'm an i'm a west coast kid so yeah. i'm always gonna love the west but uh you know like i said it's more than just me at this point so we'll just kind of see what happens and 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 also like the expenses out west versus here um, maybe a little bit better out here. You're not paying, you know, what what is it, six, seven dollars for gas anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit cheaper out here by by just a bit. But I mean, the housing is still kind of expensive here yeah. too. So I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Something that we ask um, a lot of the guys who come on is, what you know, like, what do you do around? Like, what do you like? You've been here in two different stints. What do you like to do around town now? Now you have fiance here. Like, what do you like? If you have that downtime, what, what would you like to do? Yeah, my, her name is Meg. Megan and I, uh, or even just myself, I mean, like, I like going out and uh, just, uh, God, as bad as it sounds, I like I like doing something that you kind of like, like spending money. Like, I like <laughs> going to the games. I like going to game centers. I like going, like, gosh, I sound like such a kid. But, uh, we, like, I, Megan and I, we go go-karting all the time. We like mini golf. <laughs> so we're, like, pretty heavy in, like, the, uh, the activities outside of the room. But don't get me wrong. I do, like, a nice day of just relaxation and NHL with the boys or COD with the boys or something, too. So kind of just depends what kind of day it is. We, uh, we go to movies pretty often. Mm. Uh, AMC, we go to Tuesday $5 movie nights, and she's, like, a premium pass holder or something so we get to skip the lines for the <laughs> snack bar or whatever. So we like going to movies a lot um, uh, and we like cooking at home too but when we're not cooking we do get pretty fired up when we get to go out and eat somewhere too. So, Any movies you guys looking forward to coming out? <laughs> uh, we just saw on Tuesday, we just saw the menu um, last Tuesday when I sent you guys a picture at AMC. We saw the oh menu. Yeah. Um, but I do want to see this Bad Santa movie. She wants to see that new movie with uh, The Rock, uh, and he's like a superhero. What movie is that? Oh, um, was it Black Adam? Black Adam. She wants yeah. to see Black Adam. So she likes the she like I don't know if he's Marvel or what he is, but she, DC. He she, yeah she she likes all the Marvel DC stuff, and 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 I'm starting to grow accustomed to all that stuff too. So just any kind of movie. She's really good at picking like what movie she might like and it ends up being a really good movie so yeah a lot of time on the bus coming up in the next couple of days oh tomorrow you guys leave for Delaware and then on Friday uh, pardon me yeah you'll, you'll play on Friday in Delaware and then on Saturday yeah. you'll play in Watertown yeah it's gonna be about I've only been you know kind of short hops I went to Watertown once and we, we came back on the you know we stayed overnight and came back and then Binghamton we drove back and forth what what the hell are you guys going to do to pass your time on yeah. this kind of really vicious circle you have to make right here, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, no, we, uh, the conversations on the bus, they, they, you never know what you guys are going to talk about. Uh, just so many different characters coming into one. 
just talking about everything in the world. We also play a game called Schnarps. We're pretty big on the card games on the bus. We're just well. about to say cards. We huh? play cards on the bus. Uh, I don't know if our bus's TVs work, so we haven't watched a movie yet this year. <laughs> uh, we, we listen to music. I'm a big YouTube guy, so I'll find myself, uh, you know, in my seat laid across the way watching some YouTube and stuff. Uh, um, but yeah, we'll we'll take a five-hour trip to Delaware over a 14-hour banger to uh, uh, where were we? Like Michigan or like uh, Winston-Salem. Those are like 10 hours, 12 hours. So I mean, uh, five hours shouldn't be too bad. Before we let you go, did you ever have one really horrible time on the bus? Any any bus disasters in your in your? I I see a smile. Oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> in, in college in Northland, uh, at Northland, uh, we we got we were brought back from Christmas break early because we were going to play like a New Year's jamboree with Norwich, Geneseo, and New England College or something in Norwich. So we bust from Wisconsin to Norwich. To Vermont. Yeah. To Vermont. So that in itself is like 30-something hours. <laughs> And being, you know, <laughs> it, that was just 30 some hours. I think we stopped somewhere to skate one day to just keep going or whatever. But anyways. Um, you a sleeper? No. Oh, no. Coach. Wow. Coach baby. <laughs> so you stay at a hotel and break up the 30 hours and not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, we, we drove somewhere, we skated, we drove again, stopped for the night, then drove again the next day. Um, but uh, I don't know what, what our coaches were thinking, all due respect coaches, but uh, <laughs> We brought like loaves of bread and lunch meat onto the bus with like mayo and mustard, just your standard sandwich, <laughs> standard sandwich. And I don't know if the cooler got like cooler didn't stay cold or, or what the fuck away. ended up happening, but uh, <laughs> a bunch of guys ended up getting sick. <laughs> we got sick on the bus on a 30 hour bus ride. Guys are starting to like feel nauseous. And, and we think like the lunch meat went bad, but we also think it was because our coach was packing fucking chews. Well, oh, he would, so he was chewing smell. and oh. he was chewing and with the same hands, he would make the sandwiches. Oh. So we think like guys were eating like a little bit of like chewing their sandwiches. Oh, so, no. so we're starting to get close to disaster. Yeah, we're getting closer to the spot and guys are slowly one by one starting to like, I don't feel so good. I don't feel so good. Did you go down? Uh, I did not go down. I, I ended up going, I, I don't know if it was a bug or not, but the last day I did end up getting a little sick. But the first day we got there, we, I clearly remember one of my buddies, Kyle Pouncey, uh, I walked into like the bathroom, we're connected to the locker room to kind of maybe wet my hair or something. I see Buddy on the ground, just in, in like, uh, like on the side position. in the fetal position, because he's just nauseous to his stomach, in his <laughs> full equipment, in his hockey gear with his helmet on, just ready to throw up whenever, before we go out onto the ice. So that's credit to the, the bad lunch meet there, uh, <laughs> uh, Mike Lennon. I know you're listening to this. If you ever listen to this, that's uh, that's on you. That's just <laughs> like that's just like I I didn't think you were gonna go there at all. I thought you were gonna talk about a flat tire. Or no, no, like no, that. Oh, no, 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 no. Flat tire. At least you're feeling all right. But nothing's worse than being sick on a bus and you can't get off the bus. Oh man. And like and you don't want to throw up because. The, the toilet does it's not like a toilet where it has plumbing it doesn't flush no, it, just no, it, sits, just stinks, it just sits it just sits in the bowl right so you ever been on one of those pat um like once or twice and they, they tell you they're like don't yeah just yeah hold it in. yeah and unless no. it's pee then hold it in. exactly yeah exactly so now like on our bus if you take a crap on the bus you have to pay a hundred bucks it's like stuff like that wow. so you can't you can't throw up you can't take a crap on the bus so it just sits there until your trip's over so yeah that was that was something else 
Yeah, that was that was super messed up. That yeah. goes like uh, too bad that didn't happen with Danbury because that would have been like one of the all time great. <laughs> like like so how the fuck did that? Uh, how the heck did that happen? Yeah, you know what I mean? Sick, yeah, because of chew fingers. We call it chew uh, fingers. I mean, yeah. we've had some interesting side of it. There was a roadside rescue in one Danbury bus trip. I think it was the first or second season. You have to ask Kerm about it. Like, dude, they were coming back from like. Binghamton or Rome, New York, and that nothing. Oh, yeah, there was Broome County back then, but uh, Binghamton or like Rome, New York, the middle of the night, like some car was turned over. These guys got off the bus and pulled the woman out. Like, no way. Yeah, it's, it, it's that's up. crazy. You can look, you can look up Danbury Whalers like roadside rescue, and it's and it's on it. But like, I, you know, we were, you know, the the bus is just like when people see a hockey game, or especially hockey. Because there's just so many more minor league teams uh-huh. that have to endure such weather to get to the games. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a little bit of that minor league basketball. Like you know, the weather's usually good when they're playing baseball or something. Yeah. Like you guys are not making a ton of money, and then literally weathering the storm in some cases 100%. to get to the game. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, crazy. You you guys do a lot for us, and uh, Kyle. We wish you a lot of luck going up against Delaware and Watertown this weekend. It'll be good to see you back on Tuesday night. I guess we're playing Delaware again and again and again. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah looking forward to it. This is going to be like that that COVID season where there was like only three teams for a month. Yeah, like yeah. That. Is that what the schedule is, Delaware, for the next few here? Yeah, so just to go over this, fans, Friday, December 16th, Danbury Hatchers will play on the road in Delaware. We're going over it again. The Saturday night, December 17th, Danbury Hackers will play on the road in Watertown. Friday night, December 23rd, we'll play Delaware again at home. Oh, wow. Tuesday night, December 22nd, we'll again play Delaware at home. And then we will end the month of December and the year of 2023 on the road with two games against... Delaware. Oh, wow. So uh, we, we've got uh, all of our games against Delaware are going to be getting out of the way. Yeah, that's so, right. Uh, just, just get it done yeah, now for the year. Yeah, it's, of it's, it's definitely, I, I, I wonder if this was by design. But anyway, yeah, Kyle, yeah, we'll see. thanks for coming in. Yeah, it was really so a blast talking to you. Thanks so much, buddy.